after you sent me the photo and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I posted it on Twitter because I thought people would love this story because I mean, essentially what we do on the bridge is try to get China and America connected. Like, you know, this is we should appreciate each other and learn from each other. And so I posted this story and it went pretty viral with like, I guess I'm looking right now, 227,000 views. So that's nice. that's quite a bit. And I wanted to read some of the comments and get your reaction because I think a lot of people would be interested. Uh, sure. one, one person said, this is Hale Constay. People choose some very unique names on Twitter. <laughs> sure. Moral yeah. of the story, be like Frank. So, <laughs> <laughs> and someone said, a true hero. It kind of makes me feel like moving to China, says Fozan. And nice. so a great story for Frank will remain part of the local legend. So do people talk about you, like, as far as you know? I think once in a while. Like, yeah, even even just a couple days back, I was catching a, a cab back to campus at night, and then the driver's like, are you the motorcycle guy? And I'm like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> so, just because he saw your face. Wow, that's yeah, you're actually yeah. kind of locally famous. That's amazing. <laughs> Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. Today with us, we have a very special guest, Professor Frank Stonier. He's an American teaching in Beibei, Chongqing, because Chongqing is also a municipality. He gained fame in China and around the world for joining the effort to fight a forest fire during the summer of 2022. He rejoins the show to discuss a statue made of him in the town of Beibei. Welcome back to The Bridge, Professor Stonier. Well, thank you for having me again. <laughs> We're really excited to have you. Uh, we talked to you about, I guess, 14 months months ago. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how things have developed? Yeah, well, it's uh, at least it's all been very positive. There's been, uh, been a lot of different um, events. And uh, I, I, I even went to uh, Weibo night, which is not something foreigners usually know or certainly ever get to attend. And uh, wow. um, so th there's some pretty wild things. Um, even last night, I was on TV from an interview. Uh, of, I guess it was probably a couple of months back at this point. Uh, just a little snippet. They were they were running a segment on some of the disasters that had been happening over the past year or so. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all been very positive. It's I, I do a lot of uh, work with different schools and universities, and it's it's always funny when they introduce me. Yeah, you know, at first they're like happy to see you know foreign foreign professor coming to to do a training with them, and then mm -hmm. when they say it's that guy, then everybody's like, oh, oh you know, gets on, <laughs> you know, give a thumbs up and things. So yeah, it's always always funny. We've been meaning to have you back on just to talk about STEAM and your uh, life as a professor, but something uh, happened in the last, I guess, month. I don't know how long it's been. They've erected a giant statue of you. In <laughs> that is, so that is absolutely amazing. There's a statue of you in Bebe. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, um, it, it's, a, it's a three statue series and, uh, I'm on the back of a motorcycle wielding a chainsaw, and I, I, I think if you're ever going to have a, a statue made, it ought to be of you riding a motorcycle wielding a chainsaw. So, yeah, but um, it's it's nice. It's actually uh, it, it was created by one of the um, art professors at my, my university, Southwest. Um, wow. Shortly after, I guess it was maybe I, um, maybe a month at most after the fire there, they had kind of called. Uh, 
some of the uh, more more notable, I guess me and some of the other famous ones, I guess we'll call it that way. Um, and we we had kind of a, I guess, a modeling session in that way, where they they had some ideas for some statues. Um, they were talking about the potential of two. I, th- I think I just barely mentioned it on our interview. And I was like, oh, I'm not really supposed to talk about that. But uh, mm. they just didn't really want it discussed until it actually happened. Um, and then I, I'd seen he'd, I'd seen a picture. He sent me a picture. And I, I thought it was one of those tiny little, you know, like one foot long miniature sculpture kind of things. Mm. And uh, uh, late this summer, I think it was late July or August, I was uh, – Walking by, they'd finally opened this new art museum near my. Um, I have a I have a private classroom that's kind of my my workshop uh, mm-hmm. um, where I develop a lot of my activities, and um, and it's at this innovation center here in Bay Bay, so it's you know government facility kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm walking over to grab lunch, and uh, I, I'm looking, and I'm like, I, I think that's it. And I walk over, and oh, it, it really was <laughs> uh, was the statue. So that was pretty. Exciting. So they didn't even tell you, oh, your no, statue's no. here. It's just suddenly there's a statue. I, I, I thought know? I'd never get to see it. I, I thought it was you know some tiny display piece on somebody's shelf or desk, and uh, no, it's it's a full on uh, not not quite life size at least you know maybe I don't know third life or something, but uh, maybe half. But uh, pretty good size, pretty good size. <laughs> as, as far as you know, are you the only foreigner who was involved in the the fight against the fire? Yeah, as far as I know, I think here. Um, I don't know, somebody kept saying there was maybe a French person, but they might have also been confusing them with me too. You never know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh right, yeah, your name yeah. is Francis, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think right. that might have been it. And I, I never, I mean, I never saw one. I never really caught wind of one. Um, I did. There were some foreigners reaching out shortly after saying, hey, can we be involved? And I, I tried to get things connected. But fortunately, things ended very quickly. So uh, after that point, yeah. so yeah. Um, there wasn't the opportunity, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, so you told me, I called you or we were talking on WeChat recently, you know, a little bit about your family's reaction. Like, oh, that's daddy. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about how your family? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I've got a daughter who's six, almost seven. I guess next month, even though she'll be seven. But uh, where uh, I, I decided to walk her by, and it's like, uh, yeah, just take a look at that. And she's like, it's Daddy. Yeah, so she was very excited. It's, it's always nice to see your uh, your daughter excited. And yeah, we, I, I show some other folks once in a while when they come by. I'm just like, oh, just take a look at that real quick. Like, Wait a minute. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's pretty cool. You know, actually, it looks kind of like one of the pictures that uh, I've seen of you where you're on the back of a motorcycle heading up to go to the mountain. So I think that's basically where they got the idea, right? Yeah, that's where they modeled it. Uh, yeah, so they, they'd taken it from some of the uh, the news uh, captions. They, they were, again, concerned. Uh, the, 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 the one where I finally went up the mountain, I was actually on one of those little motor scooters. Yeah, uh, but actually, from the uh, the main um, I don't know building where we're getting together, like where everybody's getting ready to launch the launch point. Basically, we were on true chi- two uh, true uh, motorcycles, so we were we were zipping through town on a, a, a legit motorcycle <laughs> at pretty high speed. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But uh, <clears throat> well, I have a- so so they they brought in a motorcycle and we actually sat on it and things like that. So. Oh, oh, for the modeling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah. wasn't just, uh, yeah, they actually, you know, were taking pictures of us sitting on there holding a chainsaw, that kind of thing. So it's kind of cool. After you sent me the photo and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I posted it on Twitter because I thought people would love this story because I mean, essentially what we do on the bridge is try to get China and America connected. Like, you know, this is, we should appreciate each other and learn from each other. And so I posted this story and it went pretty viral with like, I guess I'm looking right now, 
227,000 views. So that's nice. that's quite a bit. And I wanted to read some of the comments and get your reaction because I think a lot of people would be interested. Uh, sure. one, one person said, this is Heo Stay. People choose some very unique names on Twitter. <laughs> sure. Moral yeah. of the story, be like Frank. So. <laughs> <laughs> and another, someone said, a true hero. It kind of makes me feel like moving to China, says Fozan. And nice. so a great story, Frank, will remain part of the local legend. So do people talk about you, like, as far as you know? I think once in a while. Like, yeah, even even just a couple days back, I was catching a, a cab back to campus at night, and then the driver's like, are you the motorcycle guy? I'm like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> so, just because he saw your face. Wow, that's yeah, you're actually yeah. kind of locally famous. That's amazing. Yeah, a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, when I posted, a lot of people were, like, instantly recognized the story. Other people said they were going to, that they were crying tears of joy because of, you know, the friendship that you brought between Americans and Chinese folks. And I think that is an incredibly heartwarming story. It's amazing that your that your bravery was able to do this for our two peoples and bringing us together, showing that, you know, we're all just people that it's, it's one of the probably the most touching stories I've heard. And I interview Americans all the time since I started this show. Wow. People absolutely love your story, Frank. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it, it, it certainly wasn't, uh, you know, what I expected to happen. I, I was just trying to, you know, volunteer and help because there was some need. But uh, it, it, it's been very surprising how well received things have been and you know, just how many people it inspired and touched. So that was that was, was pretty cool. <laughs> Unexpected. Do you find this eclipse because you, you're, at, you know, you, are a do- you have a doctorate and you're a professor at a university teaching uh, science, technology, engineering, art and mathematics. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I like to, to incorporate the, uh, the art element, too. Yeah, I know some of the, the hard science folks are, are adamant about STEM only. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I do like to incorporate the, the A for STEAM. But do you feel like since your goal was to come to China and share this wealth of knowledge with your students, that sometimes that your your heroic status in the community overshadows your original goal? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, I'm a pretty down to earth kind of person, though, so uh, it hasn't it hasn't really created issues in the classroom. <laughs> where I, I've had a few where I usually I have um, say if it's if it's the PhD students, it's usually international, but I have had a few uh, chi- Chinese masters and undergrad students where uh, they'll tell me after, oh, I was so nervous to meet you. It's fine. No problem. So yeah, for me, it just kind of, it's still a disconnect. Like I'm, I'm still just me. So I, I, I don't understand where the, the R fear comes from. Well, I mean, it seems like you've already answered my next question is if you do, you see yourself as a hero, you seem to see yourself as, uh, you know, Frank Stonier, but uh, <laughs> certainly the community around you and even the foreigners living here in China see you as a hero, not just for fighting fires, but because you have, you know, softened the tone between people around the world. I mean, I think that it's not just fighting fire that this story really touches. It's not just that you went to help your local community. It's it's that being a foreigner, going and helping your local community, you've really helped people around the world humanize one another, which is one of probably the most important things that we need to do in our modern day and age. So I, I actually do see you as a hero, whether you see yourself as one or not. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't normally consider myself as a hero, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I, I was very happy that it, it did seem to inspire a lot of folks. Um, you know, it, there was such a huge like outpour of the even community help right after that the news went out like the, the pictures and videos you see they're not me staging it or anything i, I wasn't running <laughs> a, a youtube or a tiktok or a doing or anything it was i'm just there I, I think i took two whole pictures that day 
One was of one was of a chainsaw and one was of the mountain with smoke. And that was all the pictures I took that whole day. <laughs> so I, I think it was just I was just there to help. And, you know, it, it's kind of wild that it blew into a, you know, hey, everybody working together and helping. And I wouldn't I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't personally view myself as a you know change person, this heroic individual. But no, it was just uh, I, I was glad I could help. And I, I'm glad it was positive, too. Like I wasn't in the way it was, yeah. you know, and I got I did as far as got as far as I could. I mean, I, I would have done more if I were allowed. It's just. Hey, I, I was just there to help the best I could. So. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, you know, I want to put a little context on this because some of the listeners who are listening today might not actually know the full story that we went over 15 months ago. So, oh, sure. sure. So you went up the mountain with uh, a chainsaw and but you're you're basically someone who knows how chainsaws work really well. And this was hundreds of people. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I'll just give you a brief one then. Sure, um, great. So we, we'd had the fire for several days, like heavy smoke even billowing into our apartment at one point on campus, which is still a little ways away from the mountain, but not that far. Um, but then uh, my wife had said, they've gotten all these chainsaws, but nobody really knows how to put them together. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh, so they were really looking for people who could kind of lead folks on assembly um, and I've, I, I had a chainsaw in the U.S. and, you know, growing up, my dad would cut down trees for firewood occasionally, mm-hmm. too. And I've cut a few trees down, you know, back in the old country when I used to have a, my own property with some trees. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just didn't want to do it without a translator. And um, one of the other professors who I'd never met decided to help me translate. And there was several other folks from the campus who wanted to volunteer as well. And um, yeah, eventually we got to the point where we were assembling. So it was me and two other uh, Chinese guys who, who didn't really speak much English, but we could communicate enough, at least like this part, this part, you know, <laughs> Jago, Nega, and so on. Um, <laughs> but we were, uh, uh, they, they also knew a bit about chainsaws. So the three of us were pretty much assembling the first batch. And then we we're kind of overseeing everybody else assembling these 50 plus chainsaws. Wow. Um, and then we're getting them, you know, everybody's getting them gassed up. And then we're, then it moves to a new assembly area. Uh, and then they're dividing people who know how to operate a chainsaw. And the terrifying thing is not everybody who is voluntary to operate a chainsaw knew how to operate a chainsaw. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, no. There were no, there were no major injuries. Though. Were you giving yeah. instructions how to use the chainsaws as well? Um, I, my, my, uh, fact, my, my Southwest group, uh, they were like, well, you can teach us. And I, I, I started giving them a few pointers. And they very quickly realized this is a very dangerous thing. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's not do this. So like, oh, if it kicks back, it will hit your head. So you need to be to the side. And so they were they were they were a little scared of that, which rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully uh, so. Yeah. Indeed. You know, I'm not a, someone who's used chainsaws, but I grew up on uh, in a framing family. We would use skill saws, and those things are also wicked dangerous. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I've used a few of those. These these are a whole new level, though. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the idea was to clear part of the forest so that the fire had nowhere to go. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So they, they finally broke everybody into uh, kind of chainsaw teams. So they'd have a, only a few in each group that would operate chainsaws and then everybody else was like clearing brush or moving things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was assigned to one group. Uh, we finally headed to the entry point of the mountain. Uh, that's when we, we, they took us up the mountain. Um, and then we got pretty much to the point where, you know, the fire's just ahead. Um, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the, the military leader at the time didn't let, didn't let me go forward, which was fine. It's, yeah. you know, it, I'm not there to cause problems. You know, 
there's communication issues. They could have easily thought I was just trying to make videos or something. So, so yeah, I did it went as far as I could have. Well, also yeah. just if Frank Stonier, the American got burned at the fire in, in China, that's an international incident. You know? I, and see, I, I don't, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like, I'm just here to help. But uh, yeah, so it was no, no issues there. There was no argument. It was like, Hey, I, I, I gave my chainsaw to the, uh, there were some other guys up there even trying to repair things and like, here, this one's okay. This one's ready to go. And then just left at that point. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was prepared to spend, you know, the whole night or multiple nights up on the mountain as, as did several folks. But, uh, mm. um, but yeah, so it was, it was fine. I mean, you know, I, I was just so impressed. Nobody got hurt throughout the entire process, at least nothing yeah. major. Yeah. yeah so that was really fantastic. Yeah, that, that's, I, I was scared to ask that question. I'm glad you answered it because I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> I didn't want to know. Yeah, no, I mean, there were some small minor injuries that I'd, I'd hear and see once in a while, not, not firsthand, but like through the media at the time, I mean, it's more like tree scrapes and things, but yeah, right. nobody was seriously right. injured. I mean, it was fantastic. So I that's mean, I, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the statue, uh, where is it located? Is it on the campus? Oh, it's not on campus, but it's um, it's very close to campus. It's uh, maybe about 15 minutes away. At, right, it's actually literally in the government center where I am right now. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it was just such a neat coincidence that it's right by my classroom. So I, I get to see it every time I, I walk out pretty much. So it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it is very cool. So every, every guest you have that comes over to see you, you can be like, yeah, look at this. <laughs> yeah, I can be overly narcissistic and just, oh, look, look, yes. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of fun to, to point that out because yeah, it's, it's not something everybody, uh, not everybody has a statue. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'm getting a statue in my lifetime, Frank. So <laughs> yeah, never say never. I, I never thought I yeah, would either. Well, so. There are the exceptions and that's why you're on the program. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, so we did want to get you back on about STEAM. So I was hoping you could sure. tell us, uh, you know, you're a very passionate teacher. I, I watch you on WeChat. You're constantly posting what you and the students are doing, and it's inspiring. I love good teaching. I used to be a teacher myself, not a professor, but I used to teach kids. Sure. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about STEAM, which is a variation on STEM? Um, and could you tell us a little bit about what you and your classes are working on? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, just like like you said, uh, STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And the whole concept behind it is that these five areas aren't taught in isolation. They can actually be integrated together, meaning your math class might also have a science activity or it might also involve mm -hmm. an art activity. Um, and the thing is, you don't have to hit all five parts for every lesson. That's where a lot of people get lost thinking, I've got to do, I've got to build every something every time and it's got to involve technology. And, you know, so sometimes they do, but many lessons are, they, they pretty much all branch from science. Um, so everything will pretty much science tied into at least one other element. But even one that only is like, say, science and math, it's it's still a STEAM activity um, when you think about the collective there. Mm -hmm. So as far as what I do, um, I kind of teach all ages, which is kind of wild. Um, e even this afternoon, I'm going down to a kindergarten to train about 45 teachers there. Um, wow. Let's see. Uh, Tuesday, I had uh, PhD students. We were using the, the campus VR lab, and I was introducing them to a, different, a few different uh, STEAM activities, like one on making 3D art as far as like the red, blue, put on the fancy glasses, like the movie um, and circuits. Mm. So, um, but so wow. many of my things involve just like 
chopsticks and tape and paper. And so <laughs> I, I often, with my teacher trainings, I often keep it <clears throat> very budget budget friendly. I mean, everything I, I show them is things I can buy here in China, like, you know, all right off of Taobao. And, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all, it's all things they can afford and readily make. Um, when I do my trainings, it's very make it, take it and very, um, you know, student centered. So it's very hands-on. So I'll introduce the things, but then they'll actually make it. And then when we finish the session, they have the sample they can bring back to either use or modify mm-hmm. it to fit their own classrooms. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I was thinking about it. <clears throat> you could really kind of define anything as that's art as related to science. Because, for, for example, material science, uh, the original paintings on cave walls is essentially incorporating the most advanced science. This makes this color mark. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then art, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, there's just so many great ways to visualize, you know, what our world looks like. You know, I, I mean, one of my favorites I, I, I came up with was like these life-size planets. And um, so like, so like planets to scale, think of it this way. And it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to look online to see how it was available. And I, the only thing I'd find is like Earth is just a tiny dot. And that's just meaningless. You know, it's just a pixel. It's like it's it just doesn't register. So I'd gotten like the, the biggest pieces of paper I could possibly find. And I scaled that as Jupiter, which is our largest planet, and then mm-hmm. then did the math and scaled it from there. So Earth is at least, you know, maybe a few inches in diameter with the paper at the end. But then you're able to compare every planet. I have everybody color it. We line up our solar system. And it's just awesome to see like, whoa, we were actually like really tiny or, you know, like, oh, why yeah. isn't Pluto a planet anymore? It's, it's actually smaller than our moon, which I, I didn't really register until I made Pluto <laughs> and made our moon. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of fun to, to be able to visualize things, too. So I, I think that art element really makes it a lot more friendly for kids and teachers and even adults. So. I find it odd people cut it out all the time. For people our age, right? You know, how do you feel about the Pluto is a planet movement? The people who really are fighting <laughs> to make Pluto back into a planet. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. Like every every time I, I'm doing any kind of activity on solar system, like when I was a kid. <laughs> I right. Seen. But uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So we, I, I talk about it, uh, you know, mean one sheen. That's the Chinese for Pluto. But uh, it's it's a dwarf planet, you know, and, and that's fine. It's a classification. Um, some of mine, Pluto kind of makes a good end of the solar system mark, depending on how we're using it. But yeah, it's it's OK. I mean, it, I'll go where the science leads there. If they say it's no longer a planet, so be it. And, and to be true, it, it is waste. It is actually smaller mm. than our moon, which is wild. After seeing that, I'm like, OK, yeah, that kind of eased the. Well, I think I think the irregular orbit where actually dips inside of what is it? Is it Neptune's orbit? Just barely uh, once every cycle is like kind of uh, maybe it doesn't have the same gravity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty it's pretty far out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, the smaller it is, the less gravity it's going to have. Well, in terms of your students, what are you hoping that they are taking away from your approach to teaching? Well, um, for, for most of them, um, it's, it's kind of a shock. Like, you know, if if any of them are Chinese, they're, they're used to more of a lecture teacher centered Mm -hmm. style Mm -hmm. and it's always a shock for them. You know, they're like, okay, we've got this three hour training and, and they have fun the whole time. It's over before they know Mm -hmm. it. Um, but I want them to kind of see a different type of pedagogy where, you know, it's okay to let, you know, your, your participants be creative Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's not just follow step by step by step. 
Um, you know, there's there's not a, a textbook you got to follow. Um, you know, but you know, it's okay if yours does not look like the other person's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I really want to try to push that, that creativity and you know, learning can be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, even, even with my international students, they see that too. And I mean, it's, it's even inspired a few. They're hoping, uh, once they graduate, um, to raise enough money to even start their own school back in their own home country. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, many are from the Middle East and Africa. And so it's, it's kind of neat to see just so many get inspired regardless of age, but even like young children, they're just, they're, yeah. they're loving it. You know, they're, <laughs> you know it sounds, well, I had a, I had a high school group in last Friday. They, they had a blast. <laughs> you know, we, we, we did a few different activities. They just had a ton of fun. So yeah, I remember yeah. my physics class in uh what is it? Junior college, because I started out in JC before I went on to regular university. And we had a, a couple of lectures with our physics professor, which were really fun where he was just like pulling stuff. He, he took this tube, like a cylindrical plastic tube full of popcorn and he used a uh, vacuum that was in reverse to blow across the top and essentially just blew popcorn all over the class, which was nice. You know, <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, stuff like that. Or liquid nitrogen can be a lot of fun, you know, as long as it's handled by the professor as opposed to a bunch of students. <laughs> yeah, and I, I generally prefer to, to not necessarily do the demonstrations. I, I want them to actually do it. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I usually do avoid the chemicals and I do avoid fire typically. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fire in a classroom. It can be yeah, dangerous. Yeah. Well, a lot of these places have we got the Bunsen too. burner for some things, right? Um, it could. I, I haven't actually done it here. Um, well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. the one that recommended no. it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say my, my, my most dangerous one is probably the uh, uh, high par- high-powered air rockets. I, I, I built a rocket launcher um, Following oh, wow. like a, a, some NASA blueprints there that they they do so it's 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 compressed air but you you use like a bicycle pump and uh, it shoots a good I don't know anywhere from I think the best best we've had is almost seventy meters in the sky but uh, um, but everybody will make their own rocket and I let them all hit the button but I I manage the the unit itself so nobody's getting blasted in the face or anything so <laughs> that's probably my most dangerous one. Well, you know, that's the second time you mentioned space. It sounds like you're a huge fan of space. Uh, there's a company called iSpace that is now during, doing vertical landings of rocketry. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, neat. Yeah, no, I've, I've always been a big uh, sci-fi and space fan, you know, visiting uh, the NASA museums growing up and all the, all the you know, different ones around the country. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of space. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential out there in time. I'm yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to see. You know, there's there's talk about moon bases and yeah, yeah, you know, Mars bases, and it's it's funny too. Like I, I was showing them uh, an activity on how far planets really are, and the big thing they never really talk about with Mars, you know, the the reason it's viable is because just past Mars is that asteroid belt, and I mean, I, yeah. that's going to be the next great frontier on economy. You know, because that's <laughs> right. That's all the resources out there, it's, you know, your, your irons, your precious metals, more importantly, water, because I mean, that's fuel, that's air. <clears throat> right, so right. That's, that's or why you could actually talking about Mars. <laughs> bring if, if there's not enough water on Mars, just bring some down, right? Burn yeah. it up in the atmosphere, well, coming down, it'll just start raining. <laughs> well, not just for there, but it's also, you know, even, even for the earth. I mean, eventually by that point, they'll probably have tugs and things and they'll, they'll bring the resources back here because we do have a finite, you know, 
number of, of resources on this planet too. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting point. I wonder, you know, I don't want to go into this too much, but you know, I wonder if we bring too many resources down to earth and I guess maybe I'm just not understanding the full scale of how big the earth is. Would we mess with the earth's gravity by adding too much material to it? It could, depending on how you're doing it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there've been a few large construction projects, uh, that have, that have slightly changed the tilt of the earth's axis really? in our lifetime. Yeah. Really? Wow, that's that surprises me. I'm shocked. Whoa, could you give me one example? The Three Gorges Dam supposedly uh, did change our access a little changed? bit. Changed? <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, that's that's oh my heard goodness! Anyway. I, 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 I'm not a scientist in that field, so you know that's at least the river. that is amazing. Oh yeah! You're listening to the Bridge. I want to ask, talk a little bit about you personally. Sure, sure. How long have you been in China? Oh, that's a good question. I'd, I'd say all told, probably getting around almost six years, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, as an American, what do you think about living here? What is your, what has your experience of living in China been like? Yeah, I mean, overall, largely positive. I mean, it, it certainly takes some adjustment. Um mm-hmm. And the language is probably the hugest barrier, you know, the biggest barrier, right? Yeah. I, I struggle. I struggle with Chinese and it's, it's not at all where I had not foreseen myself living in China, definitely not long term. And had I, I would have certainly studied the language a lot more. Right? I, I can speak a little <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> I had no Chinese coming here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's actually been a really pleasant place. You know, it's it's very, very safe, um, very easy to get around. You know, like uh, really like the, the public transport po- options. Yeah. Um, yeah, very the cost of living. Very affordable. Um, mm. you know, I, I talked to my folks, and it's just, yeah, the, the price of gas and the price of groceries is just uh, yeah. flooring. And here, there's there's been very little change. It's it's been really nice on that. Yeah, but yeah, in general, you know, people are very very friendly to to foreigners. Uh, I mean, unless you give them a reason not to, uh, you know, maybe maybe avoid the bars occasionally. I'm not a big bar guy, fortunately. But, yeah, me, uh, me too. Yeah, but uh, um, you know, in general, r- really a pretty nice place to live. I mean, there's a reason people have lived here long term. Mm. Um, so yeah. That's been a, been, been a surprise. Before the show, we were talking about Chongqing, which I've only been there for a couple of days. And uh, it's not a well-known city, especially for people outside of China, but it's one of the largest cities in the world, not even just in China, in the world. So could you yeah. you tell us a little bit about uh, Chongqing itself and you know how far is Beijing? Sure. How often do you get to go to the big city? How big is Beijing? That kind of stuff. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So Chongqing has, I think it's, I think it's over 33 million. I think at last wow. count, maybe more than that, um, which is like shocking, you know, when you think about it, especially American cities. Um, so Beibei, we're, we're kind of on the outskirts of Chongqing, you know, as far as you know, we're, we're a bit farther on the north side. Um, I, I don't know the full population count, but I mean, my university alone has over 50,000 students. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. It's huge. It's it, some have said it's the largest in the country. Some say top three or something. The numbers are all over the place. Wow. Some people even say, oh, there's 80,000 students at the campus. I, I think it's over over 50 for sure. I've, I've wow. never heard below that. So um, it's just kind of all over the place. That's like that. an American city right there. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. Uh, you know, Chongqing, like I, I most recently came from Atlanta, um, which is pretty spread out, you know, so Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and Chongqing is kind of like that. If when you say spread out, it's all urban center, urban center, urban center. So 
it's it's kind of this big conglomerate of <clears throat> multiple urban chunks. Um, so yeah, downtown, very beautiful city. You know, you've got uh, two rivers coming together um, mm. down in Jafon Bay. There, it's uh, really beautiful, especially at night. Um, oh my gosh, it's and insane! Hong and things like that. Yeah, it's, wow. it's it's a really impressive place. As for getting down there, um, it, it depends. I well, even later today, I'll be going down about about two thirds of the way downtown for a school there. Um, so yeah, I'd say I make it down several times a month, probably. Uh, but I mean, I could just hop on the subway and just kind of zone out for hour, hour and a half. So the sub- subway goes from downtown to Bay Yeah, Bay. the last stop on the north is actually Bay Bay. Um, so you're really kind of just Chongqing, like suburbs of Chongqing. Yeah, basically, basically, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, it's yeah, in, in Beijing, we have that too. Most of it's, uh, yeah, we call it something else, but it's still within the municipality of Beijing, which is the same for Chongqing because Chongqing is enormous and, and it broke off from Sichuan at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it was maybe 90s something yeah late, late 90s maybe but uh do any yeah. people in Chongqing say we're in Sichuan is there like a regionalism no, like that? um usually people will say they're from Sichuan and half the time it's like oh they mean Chengdu <laughs> it's like it's right next door <laughs> but uh <laughs> right. yeah so I mean everybody's kind of similar I mean the, there's not a lot of I mean they've got a little bit of dialect difference between Chongqing and say Chengdu, but for the most part, they can understand each other pretty well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a ton of separation, but they'll, they'll usually identify themselves as either Sichuan, Chengdu or Chongqing is usually how it goes. Cause there's a lot of little towns scattered, you know, around the province too. Well, six years in China. I'm curious where else you've been. Um, I, I haven't traveled as much, so, so much recently, but, uh, I've been to quite a few cities in China. Um, of course, the touristy ones, you know, Xi'an, Beijing, Hong Kong, uh, been to, you know, Macau, uh, let's see, several cities around the Yunnan area like um, Sichuan, Bana, Dali, Kuiming, um, Hainan, you know, Sanya, you know, uh, so kind of kind of a little bit all over the place. Shanghai a good bit. Yeah, ha- so. Half of the places you mentioned, I still haven't been. Macau, oh, Yunnan yeah. and Xi'an are all still on my to do list. You know, I've seen like two thirds of the country, but just half of your list. I haven't been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yunnan, the weather is fantastic. Yeah, I, I yeah, hear that. I hear it's, it's really one nice. of the most amazing places ev- anywhere in the whole world to go. And everyone's like, oh, you have to go to Dali. You have to go to Kunming. You have to go to all these places. Yeah. Dali has just a massive ancient town. Really, really neat to check that out some great great hiking areas around in the mountains too yeah i love and hiking then, uh, as long as the forest is not on fire and Xi'an, the, the city wall in Xi'an is just awesome and uh, the terracotta warriors are also very cool too but yeah the city wall i actually went in winter when it was snowing it was just beautiful you know one of the advantages of being in beijing is we have a couple of the terracotta warriors oh yeah well <laughs> the national in the national museum if you go there you'll see more than a couple it's uh it's pretty yeah impressive. i heard they i hear that they haven't uncovered half of them because they're worried that if they are exposed to um you know weathering you know the air that it will actually take the paint off and the originals were covered in paint but after they removed the soil from them they started to turn to the current color of grayish brown because the basically the air uh, ruined the materials that were used to add color oh to nice them. yeah i hadn't followed that too much i, I know they found a few more pockets of <laughs> warriors around in some other areas so yeah we'll, we'll see what they do maybe they can kind of find, find a way to enclose that and enter it i know they're sort of still working on some stuff up oh yeah You're listening to The Bridge. 
I wanted to ask you about, you know, being in American China a little bit. Do you go back to the States? How often do you go back? What's that like? Do you get reverse culture shock? <laughs> well, I, I, I sadly haven't made it back yet. I, I keep trying to. Really? Um, Six yeah. years? It's Well, I, I, I went back. Uh, my, I had one of the last flights when COVID was starting and one mm-hmm. of the last flights back. Um, so I, I went right at the... Uh, yeah, yeah. R- right at the beginning of the the whole ordeal, and uh, I just haven't made it back yet. I was I was hoping this summer, but uh, just wasn't time, and maybe the spring festival. But uh, like yourself, I, I'm going to be applying for the uh, the green card this month, and so oh, fantastic! Yeah, I, I, I've heard maybe I'm not supposed to travel during that process. I, I got to check because each city kind of has its own yeah. rules on how it goes. So, <clears throat> um, but we'll see. I'm I'm really really hoping I maybe get my parents out here. They that would not be too excited yeah, about great. travel, but. I'd love to show them what's going on. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, just so you know, for the green card, it took it takes different uh, cities, different amounts of time. It took me three hundred and sixty five days to the day. Exactly one year. That's when I got it. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I've I've heard some folks getting as quick as maybe two, three months. So I'm I'm hoping I'm in that category. But we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there are a whole bunch of new uh, challenges when you get it because you have to go back to your banks and convince them that this is actually a real ID. (laughs) Like some of them are like, what is this thing? (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. Yeah, we're, I'm probably gonna face that. Yeah. But the new there's a new card that came out since I got mine, and it actually has the same amount of numbers and letters as a Chinese ID. Oh, it good. should make that stuff a little simpler than it was for me. So I think you'll get a little bit easier uh, version. Yeah, they, of that. they keep making the process easier and easier. It's it's nice to see. I mean, yeah, you know, it is. The, some of it, I think some there's like one or two cities all you have to have is a PhD, not even like a associate professor or higher. So wow. that's that's kind of cool. And then of course the marriage is is majority of folks were out there. Shanghai has made it a lot easier. I'm not exactly sure how, but I'm in a green card group and everyone in Shanghai was like, hooray, about a month ago. So I think <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think things got simpler there. But in Beijing, you know, and is I think I got mine in Wuhan technically, so I'm a Wuhan renter or something. Oh, okay, but- yeah. I wanted to ask, this is a, a question I like to ask a lot of people. You know, I'm I'm an American. I'm in China. I like things that are American a lot of the times. I eat Chinese food all the time, but I love Taco Bell. And, you know, I love go. I found a Carl's Jr.'s, by the way. Oh, nice, I was nice. in, I was in the Shanghai airport and I was like, that cannot be a Carl's Jr.'s. And it was. And I was so <laughs> thrilled, you know, so I uh, wanted to ask you about, you know, products that you uh, that are from America that you use. Like, I don't know, could be even uh, the kind of razor. What kind of things that are from America? imported into China that you still make a part of your life? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, you know, I enjoy Chinese food, but I definitely enjoy Western food too. Um, so yeah, things, even this morning I was using Listerine, certainly an American brand, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, my, my toothpaste, you know, Sensodyne, things like that. Yeah. Um, We've got a Sam's Club. We've got actually have two Sam's Clubs now in Shenzhen. Wow. Yeah, we're not as fancy as Beijing yet, but we'll get there. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, so I, I do frequently hit that. Um, it's a bit localized, but there's there's still a lot of U.S. and even other you know European products in other countries too. But uh, yeah, so uh, rare I ever would. I don't think I've ever gone and not bought something there. We get a lot of candies and cookies as far as like the mainstream stuff like Chips Ahoy and Oreos and Snickers and M&M's. So those exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, certainly a few I'm missing. You know, I, I miss my milk duds and things, but you know, I can't have it all. But you can. Yeah. You know, I have to avoid Snickers because if I have one Snickers, then like yeah. <laughs> in a couple of weeks, I'm going to want another Snickers. So like I just have to never touch it or it's just going to become one of those things that my brain starts creating. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my go to one <laughs> once in a while there. It's not necessarily American, but uh, we finally have a few pizza restaurants up here in Bay Bay. So I, I do uh, I do order pizza a good bit. And then uh, 
Yeah, we we uh, now Shanghai. You missed out because they actually have Five Guys has exploded there. Like there's like almost wow. a dozen Five Guys, and they're they're not localized. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> um, they're just missing the peanuts, but uh, beyond that, everything uh, everything is just like it would have been in the states. Yeah, you know, ta- they have Taco Bell in Shanghai and and Beijing and a couple other cities now. And there's you know it used to just be one or two, but now it's like getting up to ten or twenty. I I just keep finding them more and more. You know, it's wonderful, and most everything's the same, but they don't have beans so all the yeah, the products yeah. are just like rice with meat and cheese and stuff and i'm just like oh well this is very similar but not quite the same. <laughs> yeah yeah i've been to i've been to the taco bell and chendu we, we sadly don't have them here in uh, chongqing yet but uh um yeah it is a little bit localized but yeah so, some of the tacos are better than others but the, the nachos still taste like nachos so that's, <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> oh yeah You're listening to the bridge. So China isn't all that well understood in the U.S. In my view, I could be wrong. Maybe may, I mean I haven't been to the United States other than to visit for about ten years. So for me, oh wow, you're worse than I am. Yeah, when I le- yeah when I left the United States, I would you know if I talk to people, you know, oh, what do you think about China? They'd be like, uh, yeah, rice and you know fortune cookies. You know, like the people don't yeah. people didn't really know anything about China. Uh, but you know, I think there's some not so nice things in the media sometimes that I don't think are entirely accurate. What would you want to tell America? If you were just one on one or hanging out about China that maybe people don't understand or that you would want them to know. Sure. Yeah. Well, China, China, I mean, certainly a surprise for me, too, when I first came and even now, I mean, it's just still nice to see, you know, now that things are back back up and running like they should be. It's a it's really pretty pleasant place. Um, yeah, I, I think people would just kind of be really surprised how easy it is to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're not going to be probably driving. You probably don't want to be driving, but it's super easy to get a cab. <laughs> you know, the subway. I, I love subways. Any big city around the world, if there's they got a subway, I'm I'm usually taking that rather than other other means of transportation. Do they have a subway in Atlanta? Uh, you got to be way downtown for it. So kind of, but yeah. you have to drive into town to use it. It's silly. So yeah, it's it's. Kind of technically, it's like Marta, but yeah, it's, it's not very good, <laughs> not very useful mm. <laughs> unless you live in in like downtown, downtown. But um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't enjoy the buses just because it's tough to navigate and you know, <laughs> that's not very English friendly. But, uh, you know, cabs are pretty easy, especially now that I have some survival Chinese. But uh, uh, Didi, if you get the app going there, it's right, easy yeah. to find your location. And the subway is just super easy. So after I moved here, I moved from San Francisco. We have kind of a subway system called BART. I um, mm. really appreciate the subway system like yourself. And at first, for the first few years, I was a little critical of the United States. Why doesn't the United States have this? But, you know, as I learned more about why it was the case, I'm, I'm more forgiving for America not quite having the same public transportation infrastructure. And, you know, really it is that the population is so high that the scalability makes a lot more sense to have it in China. If you're in like, you know, Sacramento, California, paying for that kind of structure is going to be a lot more challenging because they're just going to be far fewer were people actually using it. Whereas in China, if you have a city of 20 or 30 million people basically need to have a subway and it completely makes sense because it's going to pay for itself eventually. So yeah, yeah. I I don't know quite how profitable it is or not, but uh, they are expanding it like crazy here at Chongqing. It's fantastic. (laughs) New lines all the time. I'm, I'm just loving it. 
but um, but yeah, you, you, there's you know good good food to be found. I mean, it takes a little practice, uh, you know, right out the gate. Be careful what you're grabbing because you, you might be in for a shock or or a treat. But uh, <laughs> um, there, there's there's some pretty pretty great food if you if you know where to look. So yeah, you can you can eat well even if it's not Western food. Yeah, and that you were talking about affordability. I think that's a huge thing, and it was already massive in 2018, 2019 before you know CPI, sorry, inflation increased dramatically in the United States. It was already more affordable living in China. But then CPI roughly stayed 1% or 2% in China, and it went up to, I don't know, 10% for a couple of years in the United States. So the affordability, like you want to go out, you want to go to a nice restaurant, you know? You can go out for a nice restaurant and just be middle class, which is great because that's where I am. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to like, I don't go out all the time. My wife won't let me because she's, you know, very bent on saving for retirement. But if we want to, it doesn't hurt our, you know, wallet. Yeah, it's kind of shocking how, how fancy it or, or you know, decent a meal you can get for for what you're paying. It's yeah, especially you take a group out. It's not not going to break the bank to treat. You know, it's not going to cost you several hundred U.S. dollars. It's going to be like, you know, all right, it cost me twenty bucks, <laughs> and I fed <laughs> eight ten people <laughs> a good good meal. <laughs> in the United States, it seems like real estate prices are going up, even in places you you know you ordinarily wouldn't expect real estate prices to be going up, like in the countryside. But I moved from Beijing to Wuhan a couple of years back before I moved back to Beijing, and I went from paying uh, seven thousand RMB for like a tiny box, basically in Beijing, to paying two thousand two hundred RMB place with three bedrooms, two bathrooms, this gigantic kitchen and two balconies on either side. And I was and I was just like, yeah, wow, if you move out of Shanghai, out of, you know, Shenzhen, out of Hong Kong, out of Beijing and you move to basically anywhere else, the real estate here is incredibly affordable. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely deals to be had if you're willing to get out of, you know, certain cities. Yeah. It just, you know, I think a lot of foreigners who just haven't settled down, you know, they kind of, you know, collect, you know, into those certain areas, Shenzhen, Beijing, Shanghai, you know, just just because that's where a lot of the job opportunities are. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think once you kind of realize like, hey, I do want to stick around. And yeah, shop shop a little outside your borders there and get a lot, lot more bang for here. Also, I think people are pretty cool. Like I go to the park here in Beijing and it's just like, you know, mostly elderly people and families. Everyone's having a good time. You know, I'm never worried about uh, any kind of criminality. Like, I don't know what it's like in Atlanta, but there are parts of San Francisco that I, I would barely even go into because I'd be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would probably be OK walking around the neighborhood I would have been in. I would not want to be downtown Atlanta. I, I was I, I went to down the hood on Atlanta like a couple times, but it was it was okay because it's like a giant public event. But uh, yeah, you got to be really pretty careful in a lot of places here. Yeah, no no issue if I you know have a late night out or something. It's it's no fear of life. Once it's dark, you don't need to be indoors. You can you can be out there. Um, and yeah, it's it's funny up until uh, you know it gets too late. There'll, there'll be hordes of you know little old ladies dancing and things. <laughs> and it's, it's, just, it's it's fun. You know, everybody's just out there having a good time. And you'll see a lot of people out even at night because it's cooler. Mm, so people, mm. you know, they're off work, they're having fun. So nice time for them to hang out and take it easy. So. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of nice to see that. Happen. Well, we're entering into the season where the little old ladies are staying home at night because it's time. It's jacket time. Yeah, it's big jacket time. It, it's cool it off. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're a lot further south. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still a little warm here. It's been surprising. Uh, it's still about in the 70s or so. But yeah. Yeah. You guys actually get snow at things. We, we usually. Well, we not yet. Not yet. But it's snowing in Harbin. I saw people like skiing in the streets in San oh, nice. yesterday. So <laughs> it's, it's coming for sure. The cold is coming. You know, a lot fewer people are living in China uh, from foreign countries now than we're in 2019. And, you know, I want to see more people to people exchanges. I want to see more people coming to China, more Chinese people moving abroad because that helps people understand each other a lot more. Which do you have any tips for people who may be considering moving to China? Yeah, um, let's see. I, I'd say if you if you're honestly thinking of full on moving, um, definitely brush up a little bit on some survival Chinese. Like at least at least learn <laughs> one to ten and just a few basic words. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that'll help a bit. There are uh, get WeChat as soon as you're here. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's going to use it. Um, you know, nobody's using. You know, the, the, the apps that you use in the U.S., you're not going to be using most of them here. Uh, WeChat, you need because <laughs> um, yeah. that's how everybody's going to communicate. But it also has some awesome translation tools. Like uh, oh, yeah, we've got right. some beat built in ones of scan where I can scan a sign and it's going to tell me roughly what it means. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can send an English message to a Chinese friend or colleague and they can just hit translate and vice versa. And yeah. it'll, it'll give you a pretty good approximation of what they're saying. Um, so that, that really makes it a lot easier. Don't worry about uh, cashing all your money in before you come. Do it in Chinese banks. It's way cheaper. <laughs> You'll save a fortune on exchange fees. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, don't be afraid to just you know try to try some different cities or different uh, you try to check out different places. Um, even in the cities you're in, there's probably a lot of things you don't know about, and just mm-hmm. you know try to find some local friends you know who are willing to communicate or hang out with you and. Um, let them show you around a little bit. Um, you know, moving, just uh, realize, hey, if, if one city is not a great fit, maybe another city is even better. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've met a lot of foreigners who change cities. Um, I've been pretty lucky. I, I really do kind of like Chongqing. And, um, you know, I've, I've mostly Chongqing and Chengdu is where I've spent most of the bulk of my time, my Western Chengdu. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really do kind of like it here. And, you know, you just got to find a place where it fits well. Um you know, like hey, if, if Beijing is your city and you just love it and that's that's the setting you want, then great. You found it right off. But maybe you start out somewhere first, you know, and you just need to kind of realize it's it's very easy to change, especially as a foreigner, very easy to change your cities yeah. here in China if you need to. Um, but there's 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 a there's one there's a there's a size for everybody. There's one that one that's a good fit for probably just about anybody. You know, that's really great advice. I ask this of almost all my guests who are from abroad. And, you know, I love Beijing. It's great. But I actually love Wuhan way more. Yeah. And <laughs> after I'd spent a year there, I knew this is where I'm going to retire it has a totally different like feeling, you know, like I think that is what you pointed out is a really good uh, way to describe China, because China, I think, in a Western person's mind is kind of monolithic. But when you come over here, there are many different Chinas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there really are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always wild. Like even when I go next door to Chengdu, it's like borders <laughs> everywhere compared to where I'm at in Beibei, where, you know, we have a we have a good pocket downtown and we have a pocket on our campus. But we're not that saturated. But you go to yeah. Shanghai. I mean, it's just foreigners everywhere. Went to Five Guys. It's like a line of more foreigners than I've seen <laughs> in the last year. You know, so it's it really just depends where you're at. You know, I mean, if you're if you're okay, you know, if you need a lot of foreigners around you, then yeah, maybe you need to grab certain cities. If you're okay being more on your own, or hey, if you find that significant other. Uh, maybe it's not quite so important. And that really opens up a, a lot of interesting options for you. Yeah. I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but there's a there's a, an American and he's living out in the countryside, like living the countryside life where, and it's just, it's, it's just amazing to me. I, I don't think I could 
quite go, you know, that off grid. I don't mind moving to a small city, but he lives like, you know, way out in the countryside of China. And it's just remarkable watching him on like doughy things. Okay. I want to move on a little bit. So about the, about the forest fire, is this something that happens in Bebe regularly or is, was this kind of a fluke incident? No, this was definitely their, their first time, at least, uh, Current memories of folks, but yeah, no, no, this was a surprise. We just had a big drought and uh, Mm. just the conditions were right. So, yeah. You have a background in science, so I'm assuming that you believe in things like global warming. So do you think this is globally related to like fossil fuel emissions or is this just the drought unrelated? How do you see? I mean, I'm not really a a climate scientist or anything, so I I couldn't really, uh, you know, give you a a, a clear scientific, uh, you know, answer on that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it does seem like there have been a few more, you know, storms and floods and natural disasters and things like that. Um, mm. I don't know. I just, I, again, maybe it's just because we're better connected to, I, I, I'm not, I'm just not sure, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, internet really wasn't a thing till, you know, we were, we were a little bit further along in our lives. So mm-hmm. maybe things weren't just shared publicly quite so much in the past, or maybe it really was just as bad or, or, or not even as bad. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, global warming maybe happening, maybe not. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's changing a bit, but I, I just don't know if you know this forest right. fire would be yeah. you know a causal relationship there. Um, uh, if it is, then we're probably in for a whole lot more coming up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll say it that way. If we see it as a fairly regular thing, but but even this summer, it was so wet. I mean, we had so much rain all summer. I mean, there was like no chance it was going to happen. So. Yeah, that's bizarre to I me. I mean, I, I'm not trying to lump Chongqing in with Sichuan. I've made that mistake before where people are like, we're not Sichuan. But <laughs> you, you're essentially in a rainforest, kind of, or at least at the edge of one, right? Uh, in certain parts. Um, yeah, it just kind of depends where we're at. But yeah, so for us, I mean, the mountains, you know, very green, um, you know, pretty lush there. So um, not quite what I think of rainforest, but yeah, I guess it kind of actually is <laughs> in parts, in parts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, if you need to go to Yunnan, there's that's some rainforest. That's what I think of when I think of rainforest. There. Oh, I, w- I always thought, you know, Chengdu was like basically in the middle of a rain. I don't know. Maybe I guess I don't know the geography of China as well as I pretend. But uh, do you have pandas up in Chongqing, like out in the forest? Is that something that? Uh, no, I, I I think they're kind of in other parts. Uh, they, they I don't know. They kind of they kind of pen them off somewhere. I'm not real sure where those preserves <laughs> are. And then, uh, of course, there's the big uh, um, uh, panda research base where you can check them out in Chengdu too. Yeah, uh, I I went there and it was like really hot. We went in the middle of the summer, like it was like the hottest week. And then they had removed most of the pandas from observation. They were inside in like air conditioning and stuff. And so so that's how I saw it too. (laughs) (laughs) We saw like two pandas and we were walking around for hours. It was like, and everyone was crowded around those couple pandas that you could see. So I was told come in the fall, come in the spring, then they're out everywhere playing. So I have to make, take a trip back to the whole region. Yeah. I haven't been since they've, uh, they've upgraded. The, the facility quite a bit since I went. Uh, I, I went in 2008, so it's been a while. So oh, wow. I'm, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. So you, you mentioned being here for six years, but you've been, you were here in 2008. So you have an on off kind of traveling back and forth relationship. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit? Sure. Well, I had a, uh, an opportunity when I was still a PhD student to uh, come out to Chengdu one summer. Um, one of my uh, former professors, Dwight Allen, um, he, uh, he, he traveled to China all the time. He'd been here more than 80 times. It was wild. Wow. So pretty famous guy. And, uh, 
So he's like, if you ever want to go to China, let me know. And if, if you're serious about it, talk to me this next year. And yeah, I went out and um, yeah, unfortunately, that was when they actually had the earthquake. So it was oh. a little bit of a different experience. But um, over time, even met my now wife. It took several years for us to finally uh, decide to go for it. But uh, wow. Um, but yeah, it certainly changed the tra- trajectory of my life uh, coming out. But, was uh, that was that uh, was meeting this uh, the love of your life one of the reasons that you ended up moving to China? Uh, yeah, that was, was a big factor. Um, yeah, we we had some kind of medical surprises on her end and we had a young daughter and it was like, you know, it actually kind of fits out well. I'd, I'd met several of my now colleagues um, at my former university. They'd come as visiting scholars and uh, they said, hey, if you're ever back in China, come visit Chongqing. And um, my wife had to stay and I was able to uh, wait. We'd come out on sabbatical, found some issues. And then uh, um, the following fall, my, my wife was still having to stay, but my former university was willing to let me come as a visiting scholar here wow. and still teach online. Um, and then, uh, I decided after that, I'll just go ahead and, uh, give China a real shot. That's fantastic. So yeah, it all, it all lined up well. That's a really good story. Last kind of question. Firstly, I hope everything goes smoothly for baby forever and nothing ever bad happens again. However, if they're all around the world, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. But if there is a fire in the future, is Frank, uh, Stoney or heading up the mountain? Yeah. Well, I would say, um, if I can be useful, um, and not just in the way, then, then I would certainly consider it, um, yeah, it might be like, hey, help organize a group of foreign volunteers as, as long as we're being helpful. Um, I just don't want to do it just for show or anything. If if, if we're actually needed and, and participating properly, mm-hmm. then absolutely, I, I, I'd certainly help out where I can. I think you're one of the favorite guests on the show, especially after I posted on the on Twitter and just saw how incredibly popular your story is. Hopefully we can get you back on the show next year. How do you feel about that? Oh, let me know. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll still be here. <laughs> so it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> and if you come up to Beijing and you have time, let me know. I'll treat you and your family to, uh, you know, whatever you prefer. I was going to say hot pot, but you probably all hot potted out because you're in the center but well, we, we don't even have a taco bell here so hey there we go we can, we can start there man we'll yeah. go to taco bell that'll be <laughs> we can start there <laughs> my treat all right great thank you so sure. much thank you for your time you said you're heading into the city oh yeah i've got another, another training downtown today so yeah all they, right they keep me busy Th- thank you so much <laughs> have a wonderful day well you too take care oh yeah oh yeah